This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. When I say that ASC Certified Master Technician, it sounds like you're a like a, a guru, and I know you are. <laughs> Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing good today. I am doing so good. Glad to see you here and glad to be here. But we are here to talk about heater core removal, replacement, um, unclogging it. Are they bad? Are they good? And what are they? That's my question. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. So, Coach, I had to pull up a definition because I didn't have any idea (laughs) of what a heater core is. But here it is for people who are like me. A heater core is a radiator-like device used in heating the cabin of a vehicle. That's where my mind was going, but I had a feeling it may not have been, but it is. Hot coolant from the vehicle's engine is passed through a winding tube of the core, a heat exchanger between the coolant and cabin air. Fins attached to the core tubes. Okay, now they're getting real technical. Serve to increase surface area for heat transfer transfer to air that is forced past them by a fan, thereby heating the passenger compartment. Coach, I'm going to need you to clarify those last couple sentences for me. (laughs) Well, so if you start talking about heater cores in vehicles, those are what, like you say, it does a engine coolant goes through the heater core. First, it has to get hot. It gets hot. It goes through the heater core. Then the fan just blows past the heater core, and then it, the heat comes out the vents. Okay. Now, the heater cores, like I say, are little radiators. Yeah. And what happens, they're heat exchangers, but what happens is that those little radiators get stopped up. Uh, maybe something goes wrong with them. Maybe the they start leaking on the mm-hmm. where the welds and all are put together on those heater cores, and now you have liquid all inside your vehicle. And it used to be a pretty easy job to replace those heater cores. Yeah. Now it is of not an easy job. Of course. Thousands of dollars to replace a $49 part. <laughs> right. And then now is probably one of the most important times with us, you know, here in Mississippi, it's hot, it's cold. But when it's cold, you need that. Yeah. You know, if you think about a lot of people say, well, I'll just bypass it. If it's leaking, I'll just bypass it. Well, you can bypass it in certain vehicles. Now you have no heat in your car. Yeah. So now you have ice on the inside of your car sometime and it just doesn't work like that. Right. So when you're talking about the water, where is that water coming from that could leak into your vehicle and where is it leaking into? So once again, on a heater core, there are little radiators. They could get little pinholes in them uh-huh. or a corrosion hose in them. And what happens that heater core is in the center of the dash. Okay. That means that it's way back behind the dash. It's all covered up. It's in a, I used to call them an evaporator box. Right. Okay. It has an evaporator for the air conditioner and it has that heater core in there. And what happens if they get a leak, all that coolant goes into the right side of the passenger department. And then leaks on the floor of the passenger seat? You're uh, all on the floor. Your, oh, wow. Your carpet's completely wet. You'll smell uh, real sweet smelling. Your windshields will get all fogged up, and you just can't do that. Oh, wow. Is that a symptom that happens all the time, or do you sometimes may not know if it's your heater core? You know your heat is not working, but the question is... 
it's not always the heater core of the problem. Okay. You need to make sure that you find what the problem is on that vehicle. It could be actuators. It could be a computer. It could be blend doors. It could be a lot of little different things on that. But the first thing you want to make sure is that you have coolant in the vehicle. So just think that if you're always checking your coolant and you have a, you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. You, you know that you're losing coolant. You don't know where it's going. Well, the first thing I would do, I would check that carpet. And a lot of times you can't, it may not be wet on top. You need to remove that mat that you have on your carpet. Mm -hmm. Take your hand and wipe down the carpet and see if it's wet. And then that can kind of give you an indicator that it's your heater core issue. Right, if it's a heater core issue at that time. Is there a way to test them before that happens? No. Wow. They're, like I say, they're inside the dash. There's really nothing you can do to them when they start leaking they need to be replaced and you can't do this yourself more than likely you've got well you coach you can do this yourself but just a regular person can't uh if they have some type of mechanical ability the problem is as those dashes get older yeah the clips will start breaking the plastic will start breaking so you need to be very careful like i say, you can spend a couple thousand dollars replacing a heater core if you don't really know what you're doing and it literally costs you fifty dollars to to put it in there right Wow. Coach, what are some of the um, the pros and cons of replacing and, and, and fixing the heater core? What's what's some of the things that they're going to run into? Well, if you, think about, if you think about a heater core, they used to be able to be able to fix and they would be able to take in. They were under the hood. You could take four screws or five screws out of the evaporator box, pull the heater core out. Now you cannot do that. The pros of a heater core being all connected inside that box a lot of times you have to remove the entire box from underneath the dash so you want to that's that's really a pro and a con because it's all consolidated and then now you can take it all apart at one time right and drop it but then once you start doing that if you drop the whole box that means that you have to disconnect the air conditioner lines now freons all over the place you have to recycle the freons so there's a lot involved it's usually not a do-it-yourself job right right wow. and then if you think about it the hoses i would let you tell a chevrolet the hoses have this problem ford hoses have this problem there's two hoses that connect to the heater core, and they're coming from the engine. They're going from the engine to the heater core, then the heater core back out to the engine. Right. Okay, and what happens is those hoses, they have a plastic connectors on them. They get real hot, and from the hot and cold, it's called Bakelite. Yeah. They disintegrate. Goodness gracious. When you try to take them off, they crack. If you even touch them sometimes, they'll bust so this is where one domino fall can lead to another domino fall. Yeah, that's where you have more things breaking that you, that you just got to start over and redo the system. The heater core sounds like a like brain surgery. <laughs> well, then you have uh, electronic systems now and the heating systems. You have dual air conditioner and heating systems where you may have two heater cores in there. Yeah. You may have one for the driver's side and one for the passenger side. And instead of just blend doors controlling the heat, now you may have dual heater cores as well. And that means there's two chances of them leaking. Yeah. Yay. You know? That sounds great. And they, <laughs> You know, a lot of people say, well, I'll just get uh, some type of additive in there and it will keep the heater core from leaking. Yeah. Well, not that's really not. A lot of times that'll clog the heater core up. What you need to do, if you, and you need to do this regularly sometime on an interval, is flush out the heater core. 
Okay. And when we talk about flush out, that means that you're taking some type of in, uh, coolant flush, putting it in the radiator system, and you'll be cl- flushing out the whole coolant system at this time. Right. Okay, so you could flush it that way, or and really you could back flush it. That means that you're going to go from the hose that goes back to the engine. Mm-hmm back flush it and go the other way mm-hmm. but you disconnect the hoses from the engine so there's a lot to do when you think about flushing and maintaining a heater, heater system yeah heater system and the heater mm-hmm. core as long as there's not a puddle of water on my passenger floor i will try my best to maintain <laughs> well there's a few other things that will tell you if the heater core is not working uh your engine could be overheating okay, okay and that they say once again losing coolant and your engine could be overheating or your par- passenger compartment may not be getting warm at all. It's just blowing cold air. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe your thermostats, you know, or maybe they're open, and then you would notice that the engine's not getting hot. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things that you, once you start talking about trying to get into working your heating system, right. there's a lot of parts involved. Right. I'm going to get more into that heater core with you, and also I want to know, like, a heater core horror story that may you may have. <laughs> I got a couple of those. (laughs) Sounds like you do, Coach. Yes. We're going to hit an email real quick. And this is something about heat, but I don't know if it per se is the heater core. We have an email coming from Gene Day. The subject is heater stuck on full heat. Now, he's got a totally different problem. Um, 2011 GMC Canyon, 91,000 cared for miles. I used full heat on the last chilly morning, and it stayed full when I dialed it back. I carried it to a GM dealer thinking I needed an actuator for the blend door. After about three hours, it came back from the shop in an unchanged condition. Manager said no use putting actuator. The whole system was just a big mess. They were going to have to replace many old parts that were unavailable now, and these had to be painstakingly replaced and rerouted and be made to work. Um, He's saying, I'm sorry, I cannot describe the work to be done because I never grasped what he was talking about myself. He stressed a couple of times that he even has to vacuum all the lines. I can't comprehend that all of this is keeping the blend door from working. But in my day, a blend door was operated by a slide bar on the dash directly hooked to it by a cable. Now, before this, the AC and ventilation worked perfectly. The ballpark estimate to repair is $2,100 and two full days in the shop. My question, and his question is, is it possible that all of this is required? I'm 73 and left behind technologically. I'm left behind on that word. So I will have to have the work done. If you tell me that there exists a scenario in which it would be necessary for years I chased behind begging to buy it from the nearly my age lady who bought it new until she finally relented. It came with her meticulously serviced records and it was pampered. I love this classy four wheel drive. Thank you for your advice on your phenomenal radio show. He says it's the best thing in radio. Well, you think about uh, heater systems. We have we had vacuum heating systems that ran off vacuum and we had electrical heating systems and now we have computer controlled heating systems. Mm -hmm. If this vehicle is vacuum controlled, it has plastic lines going all through the dash and through the heater system. It has plastic servos in there that hold vacuum. Now those plastic lines from temperatures getting hot and cold, you touch them, they crack and they break off. Right. Now, if that's what he's talking about, having to reroute the lines and re-put new vacuum lines in there, that would cost quite a bit. But as of the actuators, 
nah, those don't really cost too much, but it wouldn't cost no $2,000 to replace those lines because there's only about, really, I think, eight of them. Okay. You know? Okay. So you want to be very careful and just take it somewhere else, get a second opinion, mm-hmm. and if it's not the dealer, just go to somebody that you trust. Yeah, it's always a good deal to, right. to take it for a second opinion when somebody's saying 21 Right. <laughs> when they're saying $2,100. Gene Day, thank you so much for your email. I hope that helps. If you've got a question, send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about heater core removal, replacement, and everything that goes into those heater cores. Is your car under recall? I'll tell you how. You can find out next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Jermaine Flood. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Well, here are some recent recalls. I'm going to try to run through them a little quickly. Tommy, we see you on the line. We're going to get right to you. Nissan recalls nearly 65,000 Leaf EVs over defrosters. Um, this is all. Th- this is for all of its electric Leaf hatchbacks over incorrect windshield defroster instructions in their owner's manual. These include model years 2018 to 2023. Um, following the owner's manual instructions for the defroster may result in decreased performance of the feature, specifically in cold temperatures. So when you need it. Engaging the maximum fan speed can cause the heater to enter a fail-safe mode, limiting the defroster's output. When the defroster is not performing properly, the driver's visibility may be impacted, increasing the risk of a crash. Nissan is addressing the issue by mailing letters to owners with instructions on how to operate the defroster, and those are expected to be mailed out April 1st. No joke. So those with further questions can contact the automaker, and I'll have more information for you in our show's description. Volkswagen recalls 2021 ID.4 over faulty battery software. Um, this safety missive is for all of its electric ID.4 SUVs, um, this time related to the larger 400 volt battery control modules. Nearly 21,000 model year 2021s are affected. Um, this programming may cause the high voltage battery management control module to reset or the pulse inverter to deactivate, either of which could cause a loss a loss in drive power increasing the risk of a crash to resolve the issue dealers will update the module in pulse inverter control unit software for free and they will begin notifying owners march 31st but those with further questions can contact the manufacturer honda is recalling roughly 114,700 of its fit hatchbacks and HRV compact SUVs over an issue with the rear view camera image, which may not display when the image is started with a key. Those affected vehicles include 2018 to 2020 fits and 2019 to 2022 HRVs. This issue is due to the display auto unit's power circuit, which was improperly designed. The engine, um, when the engine is started with a key, the cranking of the key can cause the battery to lose charge and prevent the display audio from starting up, resulting in an absent rear view camera camera image. This can reduce the driver's visibility and increase the risk of a crash. To resolve the issues, dealers will update the display audio unit software for free, and Honda will begin notifying owners March 31st. 8200 Honda Acuras issued do not drive warning for Takata airbag inflators. Coach, did I say that right? I saw you shake your head, yes, and I figured I did. Um, This is upgraded to do not drive status following a warning issued by Honda. 
the so-called alpha inflators are installed in early 2000 vehicles from Honda and its Acura luxury brand. They have been responsible for a majority of the U.S. deaths linked to Takata inflators. Included in the warning are some 8,200 examples of Honda's model year 2001 to 2002, Accord and Civic cars model year 2002, CRV, SUV, and Odyssey minivan model year 2003, Pilot SUV, and Acura's model year 2002 to 2003 Acura 3.2 TL and model year 2003 3.2 CL sedans. The warning concerns driver side airbag inflators, um, which the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says have a 50% failure rate. The upgraded warning is different from similar orders issued since Honda is using it to service the remaining number of vehicles that still have yet to receive the required repairs. Um, They are urging owners to check if their vehicle is impacted by the recall and the newly instituted do not drive warning. If it is, they need to contact their local dealer and have the inflator replaced with a redesigned one for free. Honda will also offer free towing or mobile repair and will even provide customers a free loaner vehicle um, or rental vehicle if needed. You can actually contact the uh, manufacturer for more questions for that as well. And finally, the 2023 Kia Telluride is recalled for second row side airbag issue, um, this time for nearly the 32,000 Kia Telluride three-row SUVs. This is model year 2023 only. Due to that error, the wire harness of the second row seat airbags may become damaged, causing them not to deploy and increasing the risk of injury in the crash. To fix the issue, dealers are inspecting and replacing or securing the airbag wire harness as necessary for free. They will begin notifying owners February 28th. But for those who need more information, you can contact the dealer. And I will have all of this information in our podcast description. You can find out if your car has a past recall call by going to the National Highway Safety Administration's website and inputting your VIN number or find their Safer Car app. We're talking about heater core remover replacement and we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. We're going to go straight to the line on the air. We have Tom from Tupelo. Tom has a brakes question. Tom, you're on with Coach Charlie. Well, good morning, Miss Jermaine. And Coach, you must be psychic. Uh, because, <laughs> because a couple of days ago, I was considering writing y'all an email to ask about, uh, I got an 08 F-150, and about 140000 on it. And it was supposedly well kept. It was an old fleet vehicle from uh, an unnamed telephonic uh, repair company. But... um. I was noticing I, I, you know, the heater, heater, or the engine would come up to uh, normal operating temp, and I'd kick the heater on. It'd blow good and warm for about 30 seconds, and then even I'm recirculating. I'm not pulling in from outside. You know, I found this out during our our last little spit with 25 degree temperatures here uh, about a week ago. And uh, so you answered it, I think, by saying I need to check, see if it needs to be flushed and, and all of that. My curiosity question would be, what is your opinion on, I'm looking into uh, revamping an old vehicle, and instead of putting in a heater core where you'd have that danger of coolant in the cabin, so to speak, ceramic disc heaters, where everything is electrical, you know, it, it, it heats when you tell it to heat, you know, as long as you've got good battery voltage, I guess. And, uh, and 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 you just eliminate having any kind of coolant run into the into the uh, the, the people box. I think the only thing there, first of all, I think go back to your heater core problem with your vehicle. I would check the coolant 
level first, make sure you got your full coolant in that vehicle. And then, yeah, like I say, that. then you could back flush and make sure that all the uh, sediment or contamination that's in that heater core where it would not be stopped up. I could, you would do that. But uh, going back to your question about the ceramic disc, okay. Uh, you got to find some that run off DC unless you have some kind of converter from uh, the AC in there because, you know, everything in the car runs off DC. So you'd have to make sure you find the right ones that run off DC current and um, just make sure that you can get it in there. And make sure the box is, you know, because the fan is, I don't know, are, are you going to replace the fan or are you just going to take and put it in the dash or how are you going to do that? Well, they, they, they make them all day long. Uh, you can find them on Amazonie and all that. With um, they're, they're all made to run either 12 or 24 volt because they were originally designed for truckers. Right. To put in a, a secondary heater, but they're making them small enough now. You know, you only need about th- two to three of the little discs with the wire on them. You know, the ceramic style, and they they're running these. I call them computer fans. It's like a five inch DC 12 volt van- fan, and they they push hard. Uh, they just basically. They, they, it's a, a small box you can hide, and then they have the, the standard tubing, like inch and a half or almost two inch diameter hosing to tie into your ductwork that's in the dash. So, I mean, they already make them. I was just curious as to, you know, why, why wouldn't uh, car manufacturers just go to this and eliminate the need? You know, your engine runs cooler and better, not having to supply, you know, the, the, the heat for the interior. So, I mean, yeah, once again, yeah, once again, the electrical part of it running the electrical uh, through the system. And, you know, right. they they may even have that in the EVs now. You know, sometimes like we're going to electric vehicles. Where are you going to get your coolant from? <laughs> yeah, they probably already have that in EVs somehow. All right. Well, I was just I was curious just your opinion on that. And I appreciate, uh, like I said, you being psychic because now I don't have to <laughs> email it. You thought ahead and said, I need to help him out. Well, I appreciate you calling. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Tom, for your call. Coach is psychic. He really is. He's the car psychic. (laughs) The guru. We're going to stay on the phone lines. We've got Daryl and Raymond. So Daryl was the one calling about the brake issue, not Tom, who was on the heater core question. But, Daryl, you're on the line with Coach Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I have a 2011 Cadillac SRX. Last Friday, I was driving, and the brakes got spongy, went all the way to the floor. Uh, You could still stop, and I noticed that the rest of the day. So I parked the vehicle Friday. Monday, I got in the vehicle to take it to the shop to have it checked out. But by then, everything was working perfectly, so I still went to the shop. And they say they couldn't find anything wrong with it, and that kind of baffled me because I didn't realize you could have an intermittent problem with brakes, and that's what I don't understand. There's something going on with it, but nobody could explain it to me. Well, let me see if I can help you explain to it. Okay, it has a master cylinder. Now, if that master cylinder so happened to bypass, and when I say bypass, you pushed on the pedal and that fluid went right through the master cylinder uh, without no pressure, that is what made your brakes go to the floor. Okay, now, the brakes came back up, Okay, sooner or later, you are able to have brakes. But I would look at that master cylinder. It could be bypassing on there. 
and it don't ah, okay. and it don't have to bypass all the time. Maybe it was just one of those fluke things. But you have on that Cadillac, you got to understand too. On the Cadillac, you have ABS braking system, so you do have yeah. a ABS pump on there. And a lot of people don't really understand about ABS. ABS is really a system that only works when you stomp on that brake. Yeah. Okay. And so most likely, I would check that master cylinder. Okay, well, then it seems like the uh, shop would know that that's what they do. It seems like they would have troubleshot that or done something else, but they couldn't. But says, hey, we didn't find anything wrong. That's the part that baffled me. Well, like a lot of shops or anything else, they say, well, if I can't recreate the problem at the time, you're going to bring it back when I can create the problem. Okay, I will check that. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, too, Daryl. That was a question, and that was an answer, and I thank you, Coach. (laughs) (laughs) Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about heater core, removal, replacement, flushing them. Are they bad? Are they good? Can you unclog them? And um, that's all with Coach Charlie. And we're taking your car repair questions as well. What's in the news? Mississippi auto shops struggle to obtain parts. Oh, that's going to... That's going to put a snag in it. I'll tell you more next. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC certified master technician. I couldn't get the word out. (laughs) It's just going to be that day. It's going to be there. And I am tongue-tied, Jermaine Flood. (laughs) Too funny. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy, and we thank you for your contribution to Miss Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. In the news, Mississippi auto shops struggle to obtain parts. Is that scary? That is scary, and a lot of people are having that problems right now. A lot of people I talk to are having that problem. Okay. Well, I'll include a link to this story, but supply chain issues have been plaguing several different industries, but recently auto repair shops in the Jackson Metro area have been um, having an especially hard time obtaining parts for vehicles. And sometimes typically it doesn't matter what type of parts are being ordered, whether it will arrive in a timely manner has been the hit or miss. The consistent, <laughs> there we go. The consensus among technicians in the area is that obtaining parts to directly from manufacturers has been more of a struggle than finding aftermarket parts. Shops have had to push appointments out far enough in advance to assure parts will arrive in time. I have a family member right now. I I don't know what part we're looking for, right? But it's been two and a half weeks and I have been out of my vehicle because of it. Well, right now, if you think about parts, uh, you know, we're in post-COVID, people need to go back to work and get back like we need to be because that's what's the supply chain is not there yet. It's going to take a while for it to get back. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a hard thing. So everybody just get, you know, brace yourselves. It could not be this weekend that your car is going to get fixed. That's right. Still waiting on that part to come in. I'll make sure to include a link to this story in our show's podcast description. But today we're talking about heater core removal and replacement and everything that goes just heater core 101. That's what we're talking about. Email your questions to auto at mpbonline.org. We have got a caller on the line, Alan from Pearl. He has a question um, about a 20. 20 Tacoma. Alan, you are on the line with Coach Charlie. Oh, yes, ma'am. Thank you all for taking my call. Coach, I wanted to ask you, um, so far I bought my Toyota 20, uh, 2020 Tacoma um, right before the pandemic, thank goodness. Um, I bought it new from the Toyota place. I also got extended warranty, but even prior to that, I was, you know, I had a actual had a mechanic to tell me that Toyota mechanic that these trucks could be um susceptible to have um transmission problems. Um so far I haven't had any problems. Um what's your comment about that and if I do start having problems, what kind of symptoms do you think I may have? Well, the first thing, uh, transmission problems are out there. It's It really doesn't matter what kind of manufacturer it is. What I would do to see if there's any recalls or any complaints about the transmission is go on the Toyota website or the National Highway Safety uh, website and see if there's any recalls or complaints about that transmission. Because the thing is, a lot of the manufacturers are having those problems, uh, especially when you got into 2006, 2008, and 10s, you had a lot of those problems and it not it might have not just been Toyota but it was a lot of the others but you could check that but the symptoms you're going to have is going to be slipping that means that your RPMs are going to go up and the vehicle is not moving so that would be a symptom there or it may not engage as quickly say you put it in reverse it backs up and you put it in drive it waits and hesitates to go into gear so those are some of those symptoms you can find but if you're not having no problem right now i wouldn't worry about it because i've not really heard any problems with toyota transmissions mm-hmm. alan you're still on the line with us yes ma'am did that help yes ma'am and i sure appreciate it and uh, as always enjoy y'all stuff. Thank yeah, you so thank much. Thank you so much. We'll have our fingers crossed for your 2020. Um, how many 20s was that? That was three. That was. <laughs> thanks, Coach. You counted. Toyota Tacoma. <laughs> we got three fingers crossed for four of them, however, six of them. Okay, we're going to stay on the phone lines. Irma from Gulfport is on the line. Irma, you are on with Coach Charlie. Hi, how are you all doing? Great. I'm calling about my Hyundai Sonata. I'm having a wheel bearing problem. So what you suggest with that? What's it doing? Can you hear it roaring or can you hear it uh, getting high pitch or what? It's, it's doing both. Okay, so the only thing you can do there, um, I don't know if that one has the wheel bearing and hub together, if it's integrated or the wheel bearing is separate, but you'd have to take it to the shop and get that wheel bearing replaced on that particular vehicle. And you could do if. If it's on the front, I would do both of them, the left and the right, because, like I say, it has the same amount of miles on it. You're going to come up with that same problem a little bit later. But while you have it in there, it would be cheaper to do both of them. Okay. Uh, I did um, do a check on the price, and each time I get a, a price, it's higher than the other price. So, <laughs> Are you taking it to the dealer or are you taking it to a 
uh, technician you know, or what are you doing? Well, I am doing um, word of mouth as well, but I also call the car dealership as well. And well, the dealership's going to be more expensive than a regular aftermarket uh, technician. It's going to be a little bit more expensive, maybe sometimes maybe double the price because they're going to use uh, original equipment uh, parts. So you know, the other and the shops are probably going to use uh, aftermarket. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Irma, thank you for your call. Thank you. We're going to stay on the line. We've got Carol and Collins. Carol, you're on the line with Coach Charlie. Okay, I have a 2004 Mercury Marquis. The blower motor for the heater and the fan quit working. So I was told to get a new blower motor, which I did, and it was installed. And that was that evidently is not the problem. He's telling me it's something under the dash. I don't know if it's a resistor or capacitor. He didn't really give me a name for it. So can you tell me what you think? Yes, ma'am. Why my my blower motor is not working even though I have a new one? Yes, ma'am. First of all, I hope they checked the fuse to make sure you had power down that blower motor. But the thing is, a lot of times the wiring harness on, matter of fact, on uh, some of those vehicles, the wiring harness itself is burnt right where it hooks up to the blower motor. And it could be a loose connection there where the wire harness, the pins have burnt. And then the resistor that they're talking about is the resistor right there. It's on the blower motor. It's right on that housing right there. So it's very easy to replace. And usually when a resistor goes out, what it does, it burns. It's electronic. It burns up on the inside. It melts. And so what I would do is, first of all, make sure they check that fuse. Then I would make sure that they got power to that wiring harness. And then I would check the resistor. Okay. Now, did it have to take the dash? I mean, take the dash off to get to do it or oh, anything? no, ma'am. Well, why was he telling me it was something underneath the dash and they'd have to you know remove it it's right there beside the uh, blower. blower motor itself matter of fact it may be right it may be attached to the blower motor the resistor you know and like i said okay. you might want to get you a second opinion to make sure that they checked and you know they might not even check and seeing if you had power down at that uh, uh harness you know that's the first thing they check to see if you got a good fuse and then power to the harness all right. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Carol, for your call. We're discussing heater core removal replacement. It's the 101 of heater cores and taking your repair questions. We do have somebody on the line. We will get to you right after our break. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up in Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Inflation during 2022 took a toll on all of our pocketbooks. But I have a way to redeem yourself this year. The brand new 2023 Ford Maverick Hybrid. And the one we have this week, we've had Mavericks in the past, but I really like this one. This has the base hybrid powertrain. It gets 42 miles per gallon in the city, 33 on the highway, 191 horsepower combined, so plenty of power. But it's also got the Lariat package, so it's got you know, the upscale features on it, B&O audio system inside, you've got heated seats, a heated steering wheel, and all the crash avoidance systems on it automatic emergency braking, adaptive cruise. So I like all that as well. But it's also a nice little pickup truck. It's urban friendly, it drives nice, the handling's tight, it's got a bed liner so you can put your mulch in the back of it, put the flowers, put the plants, and just clean it out when you're done. I think all that's great. And price, also very affordable. So the Maverick starts right above $22,000. 
this one all in, $36,125. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. And please stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. It's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod. I'm Jermaine Flood, and our expert, our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Uh, since we're talking about a heater cores today, just want to make sure if the first thing you want to check if your heater is not cooling, make sure that radiator is full of coolant. Make sure it's full of coolant. And I didn't say water. I said coolant. That's a mixture of antifreeze and water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good tip, Coach. That's, right. That's a good tip. And, and you already know we've got callers on the line, so we're going to go ahead to them. Charles in Lee County is on with us right now. Charles, you're on the phone with Coach Charlie. Hi, Coach Charlie. Um, I recently, this is kind of related with uh, antifreeze where I just took my car, which was due for an oil change at 79,000 miles on a 2016 Toyota Corolla. Well, after they changed the oil and checked the fluid levels, they came back to me and suggested that it's time at this mileage of 79,000 on the 2016 Corolla to change the transmission fluid and the antifreeze and the brake fluid. Well, I had some mechanical experience with a lot of the older vehicles back in the day when you would have a dipstick for your transmission fluid. And I just questioned, like, um, you know, uh, if they're sure that this Corolla would need the transmission fluid changed, uh, I can do the antifreeze change out and backflush myself. I'm more concerned with this transmission that has no dipstick, so you have no way of checking levels or anything. And I'm wondering, uh, the price was around $289 to do the job. I'm wondering if that seemed a little high for a Toyota dealership. It seems like maybe they're just looking for ways to make some money. This car is so light, you can push it with one hand, uh, 1.6 liter in it. Uh, they're super light, the Corollas. Uh, I live on flatland, no mountainous area. I've never pulled anything towed with it. I'm wondering if it's really just wasting money right now. There's no issues when I drive it. Uh, can you get back to me and enlighten me uh, if this would be like I could just push this down the road maybe? Or can I lay under the car, undo a plug, dip my finger in it to see how pink it is, if it has any smell of burn, this, or am I just wasting money at this point with only 79000 yeah, first, first of all, in 2016, I do believe it does have a dipstick. It may be covered up and it may have a bolt holding the dipstick in so you can't pull it out. But there should be a dipstick on a 2016. You should be able to pull it out and smell it. But at 79,000 miles and you haven't had no problems whatsoever because we always think about transmissions, especially if you're pulling things and you're going up hills and all, that it could be burnt. But you're not having no problems with it. I right now, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd push it down the road. <laughs> well, coach, I think I think he just hung up, but I hope that helps. Right. I hope what you told him helps. So, uh, if if you need any more, call us back next week <laughs> for that. We're gonna stay on the line. We've got Paul from Moselle on the line. Paul, you're on with Coach Charlie. I have a 2017. Ford Escape, and I had battery problems, and the man at the dealership said that they had a, the battery was $200 because it was a glass bottom battery. 
Have you ever heard of a glass bottom battery? Mm, I've never heard of a glass bottom battery because wouldn't that make it where it's susceptible to crack easier? You know, I've never heard of a glass bottom battery at all. I I thought about as much. I think they just kind of stiffed me on my battery. Yeah, what I would do, I just go to the uh, auto parts store, and you know they make the matter of fact, it's the same batteries. It doesn't really matter. They just change the label on the battery uh, because I can tell you, I worked in a battery company. I know exactly how they change those labels, and on a lot of products they come off the same line. So go to auto parts store, buy you a battery, and it will not be glass bottom. Wait a minute, Coach. What did you, did you, you just let us on a, end on some insight right there? <laughs> what these battery the battery folks are doing to us? That's what the battery folks are doing to you. Just sliding labels around. That's all they do. Okay. La- a battery Thank label shell game. Much. I got you. Thank you. Well, you think about it right now, you can get a diehard battery. It used to be at Sears. Now it's at uh, AutoZone, I do believe, or Advanced Auto, a diehard. I was gonna say that was that's a that's I mean those things were as tied to Sears as a brand could be connected to a product. Well, when I worked at the battery company about 35 years ago, all they did, the same batteries that come down the line, they just changed the label. Yeah. Mm. Also get that Sears is not a big a thing as it was well, maybe 35 years ago. Yeah. So, Well, yeah. I can tell you, Paul, they do not, I've not seen a glass battery, uh, on the, especially on the bottom, because that's where all your vibration and all comes in. So I'd be very careful if somebody tried to sell you a glass battery. It sounds fancy, even it though it wouldn't probably work out. You think maybe it's like a like a casing that's see through, so maybe you could see what your battery's. I like. I don't know why you would need to see through the casing that your battery sits in, but maybe that's it. Maybe it's plastic or see through. Plastic, wouldn't you think? Not glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I have been on a glass bottom boat, but never seen. <laughs> the first thing I thought of is the Flex Seal guy. If you got if you've got a glass bottom anything, he's gonna he's gonna sell you some tape to seal it up. <laughs> prove it to you that's it <laughs> put all the water in there it ain't gonna run out right, that's, right. <laughs> that's good stuff well i hope that helps paul and if you got any more questions make sure you give us a call back coach let's get back to our heater core removal and replacement there's some other things that you were going to talk about when it came down to maybe the blend door operator temp control tell us a little bit about that well there's a lot of things is you know you uh, you got vehicles that either have some of them have a Two thermostats in them. Some of them have one thermostat in them. And a thermostat is what controls the temperature of the engine. And by controlling the temperature of the engine, it's controlling the temperature of the coolant going inside the Mm -hmm. heater core. So you want to make sure that those heater cores, just think about if the thermostat is completely open where the coolant is just steady flowing, that heater will never get warm. Right. It has to open and close at a certain temperature. Yeah. So it so if you're looking at your dash and you got 210 degree coolant and you have nothing coming out of your fan, mm-hmm. well, we need to, uh, your heater vents. We're going to check out something else. You may have to check your and there is a heater control valve. A lot of times that are on your uh, hoses. Sometimes those go bad, and that is what controls the, unless the coolant in the heater core. Right. So right. you want to check those things. So there's a lot of different things that you can check here at blend doors. You know, blend doors are, they regulate the temperature that you want in the vehicle. So what it does, it opens a little bit or it closes a little bit. And by opening and closing, it's going to say how much that fan is blowing against 
uh, coming out of that door. Mm-hmm. You know, how much the doors open, so how much heat's going to get out. Right. So you want to be there. Actuators, those are what, you know, we used to, I think we had one that said they had a cable actuator for the door. Uh, now mm-hmm. we have electronic actuators that open and close those doors. Right. They go bad all the time. And you got like, uh, four to six of them on there. Okay. So there's okay. a lot of different things that you can think about uh, on the on the heater core and for the heater system itself. It's you know you would never have to change a whole heating system ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know uh, you know especially when you say you got 2011 and they want to change everything on the vehicle <laughs> and charge you twenty one hundred dollars. I'll well, take it to trade this in. I will <laughs> get rid of this. <laughs> well, I think I'll take it to somebody else and give me a little bit uh, different option. Yeah. You know, even like you said, the guy that called with the uh, electrical disc heaters. Hey, what a great idea that truckers did have them all the time. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's what they used in their sleeping quarters and all when they had on um, their sleepers on the back of the trucks. Makes sense. So those things can be used, but always get a second opinion on what you're doing if you think it's outlandish. Yeah. And then cross your fingers for Mississippi weather. (laughs) One day it may be hot and you you will be you will be all right on that day. (laughs) Well Saturday's high is like forty three or forty four, something like that. So better get that heater core together. (laughs) Get that heat working. (laughs) By then. This has been a great show, Coach Charlie. So informative. I'm glad we were able to help a few people and to learn more about heater cores and everything that goes into them. And now I know that it's just not something in there that I didn't know about. So, Coach, you're the greatest. <laughs> well, just trying to put out information for the community and hope it helps everybody. Yeah, I know it does. That'll wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our crew engineer is Jay White. Call screener Java Chapman for Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.